Welcome to the Gaining Momentum Podcast with your hosts, Abby and Megan. This is the podcast where we try our best to parent our kids for the world we want them to grow up in and the world we live in now. Hello, Gaining Momentum community. It's Abby and Megan here, and we are back. Season two, here we are. It's very exciting. How are you feeling, Abby? I'm feeling great. We are recording this intro after having completed our first interview, our first episode recording of the season. So this is an after the fact intro. And having completed that first episode, I am psyched. How do you feel? I'm right with you. I was a little nervous because we've talked about how having other folks involved in the conversation can kind of change the dynamic and like, you know, we're not journalists. So (laughs) interviewing and conducting the discussion is a new skill, but I think I've, I'm more, I'm like on cloud nine. I'm more jazzed than I have ever been about having guests because it does bring such important perspective into the discussion on the topics we talk about. So totally. And I know we're not journalists. Does that mean I have to get people to stop calling me Joy Reid? (laughs) no you can still do that (laughs) so we're really excited to be back for season two as we've mentioned a few times now season two uh, we bring with us new topics that we want to explore that can contribute to you know creating the world that we want for our kids and parenting in the world we live in now and that's going to involve having other people as part of the conversation other perspectives other voices and so we're excited to get started on that like we did today Yeah. But before we jump into today's awesome episode, let's talk about how we spent our hiatus time because we were off for like, what, two months now, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess like before kind of the holiday hubbub of December and what's like February now. So yeah, two months. Yeah, we did little sneaky peeks with some Mm re-releases and some crossover episodes. But what did you do during that hiatus? Were you just like (laughs) luxuriating in all your free time, you know, having two kids and working full time, all that free time? Yeah, it's so much free time. No, it was, you know, just like moving through the holiday season was, you know, a a whole thing, uh, even though it was low key compared to other years. And then just like, I don't know, we're still in this moment where every day sort of feels a little bit the same and we're Mm -hmm. just all trying to survive this wild ride that is living in a pandemic <laughs> the pandemic if you will <laughs> um and so yeah we've just been trying to stay positive trying mm-hmm. to stay light trying mm-hmm. to like find joy um sometimes that's through we get we've had this new thing we're doing in our family where throughout the weekend each person gets a movie pick so we're watching a lot of movies nice it's almost like a way of us like trying to act like our screen time is like communal and relational like (laughs) we're doing this together and uh we're gonna make uh give empowered different choices and everybody has to commit to that person's choice so i saw funny girl for the first time have you ever seen the barbara streisand movie yes I do think I have seen that where she plays like Fanny Bryce or something. Yeah. Oh my God. Apparently I've seen it. it. You've seen it. Um, Loved it. I can't believe I haven't seen it before. And actually my kids liked it, which I did not expect because it's like an older film. Yeah. Whose choice was that? My husband's. Nice. (laughs) I was hoping it was going to be one of your kids. And I was going to be like, where did they pull that from? Yeah. What else are we doing? I'm I'm always listening to podcasts, as you Mm -hmm. know. Mm -hmm. Listen to a really good one called Rabbit Hole, which is about like the way that 
YouTube and algorithms and the internet have warmed our culture. So I recommend that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. uh, You mean how I spend half of my time just rabbit holing from topic to topic? Totally. It was very compelling. It's another New York Times podcast. Mm -hmm. It was really good. I'd recommend it. I'd love to hear what people think about it if they listen. I don't want to give too much away. What about you? What are you what are you engaging with? Let's see, what am I engaging with? Well, I've hit like a a bit of a lull, I think, Mm. where I just sort of have hit the wall with COVID. Yeah. And just sort of the changes to our lives. And it's interesting. I don't know, nothing precipitated it, Mm -hmm. but it was just, I feel like one day where I just was like, I'm done. I'm over this. I can't Mm -hmm. do this anymore. It's just, it's too much and it's Mm -hmm. too hard. And that's like coming from the position that I'm in where- Mm -hmm. You know, I'm in a very privileged position. I mean, our livelihood hasn't been affected. You know, we're healthy. My family's healthy. But it's still, I just, my social needs aren't getting met the way that I need. And then that affects Mm -hmm. my mental health. Totally. And so I just, and then it's winter as well. Mm -hmm. So I guess that probably factors in. And so I'm just over it. Mm-hmm. So I've been doing a lot of podcast listening as usual. New year, same pods. Yeah. Still listening to a lot of pods from yeah. The Ringer. Yeah, I was going to say yeah. the Ringer pods. and Yeah, yeah. Ringer pods, Lady Gossip pods. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't really know what I've been doing with my time, to be honest. This is pretty much me just like stalling, trying to come up with an answer. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it's okay oh. that you have, if there isn't something either. Right? Yeah, we're watching WandaVision. Ooh, say more about that. That's the first television show from Marvel Studios. Uh, it's oh, on yeah. Disney Plus, and right. it's actually really interesting. It's about halfway through the season when we're recording this, and mm-hmm. it's actually one of those shows now where we like sit down, my partner yeah. and I, and we're like, let's watch WandaVision like every week. So they release nice. uh, one episode a week, well, two and then one. Yeah. So it's like a throwback where you actually like, I miss that. I like, like, that's how Ted Lasso was too on Apple TV, which is amazing. I can't recommend it enough. It was, they released week, week at a time. It like allows you to throw back to a different kind of viewing experience. Totally. And the other thing that's been coming up a lot are DJ dinners. We've been (laughs) making a real return to that at my child's request every Mm -hmm. day. He's like, can we do DJ dinner? And I feel like we're trying to outdo ourselves with the randomness (laughs) of the list. But all three of us never seem to pick anything from even remotely the same genre. Mm -hmm. And then our own picks from pick to pick aren't Mm -hmm. from the same genre. So like you might see Teen and Sarah and Hootie and the Blowfish and Alice in Chains and like... (laughs) Taken this metal little band that my partner is really into and then it'll be like the temptations yeah love it yeah I think that's like a metaphor for who you are as people like layered <laughs> totally. complex like lots of like intersecting identities I love absolutely. it absolutely yeah I don't know whatever I'm just hoping spirits will lift I've been writing a lot and I've been in nice. a really good flow so that's feeling good cool and then I am psyched we're back to potting Yeah. Podcasting. So let's talk about that. Today's episode is focused on the ideas of aging, mortality, and just sort of grappling with those ideas, especially in the year that we've been in, right? Where maybe some of that stuff, yeah, is really like front and center for families to be talking about. So we did this interview with your father and his partner. Yeah, my dad and Susan. Yeah, both of whom have like professional expertise in this area. Um, But then it ended up being this like really special, powerful conversation, in my opinion. So tell me, like, I want to know what that was like for you talking with your dad about this idea it was interesting I didn't anticipate it being as emotional for me as it was I probably should have because I'm talking mm-hmm. to my father about mortality and no kidding in some cases his own mortality mm-hmm. but for whatever reason that hadn't crossed my mind ahead of time and so just listening to the way the thoughtful purposeful 
it was actually quite beautiful the way that he spoke about mortality and just the idea of mm -hmm. trying to leave things better for my brothers and I mm -hmm. and for his grandchildren. And it's just, yeah, I don't know if it's because it's I see the change in him too mm -hmm. over the last 10 years or so, but mm -hmm. it's just, it made me feel even closer to him than I had before. And I thought it was really lovely and really, really beautiful. And mm -hmm. I'm so grateful to him and Susan for agreeing to be our first guest. Yeah. So you're about to hear that interview. We hope you take as much from it as we did. Welcome back. We're so glad you're here. We're happy to be with you again. Please enjoy this conversation. excited to introduce the first guest of the Gaining Momentum season and ever really. Mm -hmm. Today we will be joined by my father Femi and his partner Susan. Thank you so much for joining us guys. We're so excited to have you on Gaining Momentum. Yes, thank you. We are very excited. You are our inaugural guests. Inaugural, that's the word I was looking for. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. That's why, we, that's why we're co-hosts. So today <laughs> our topic will be aging and mortality. Mm -hmm. And we are going to be talking to my dad and Susan about that, both in their professional capacity, which we will get into, and just in their personal lives as parents and grandparents. So first question, I will start with you, dad, and then Susan, if you want to jump in. What do the terms aging and mortality mean to you? Aging is a process that starts at the moment of conception for humans and uh, continues forever and ever and ever. And uh, one of the terms is, it's inexorable. It keeps going on. There's nothing you can do about it. You can't stop it. So it's a given. Therefore, you accept it. Mortality, it's uh, one of those things. In other words, death. And I always say that uh, it's the thing that defines life. So the only things that don't die are things that don't live. Mm. Ooh, well That's dad. powerful. I'm still, I think that needs to go on a t-shirt for some <laughs> pod merch. <laughs> and Susan, what do the terms mean to you? Uh, yeah, I would, I would just say that I think, although it is inexorable that we are aging and dying, there is such a lot of fear and dread and taboo around it and around talking about it and being open about it. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's what kind of comes to my mind when we think about it, that yes, we're, we are, we're aging, we're dying, we are mortals, but we're, we're afraid. We're mm -hmm. not prepared usually, I think, for it. So yeah, uh, yeah, there's that, there's that other side to it. I'm glad that you brought that up. I think that's something that we kind of want to dig into in this conversation, you know, talking a little bit about where that lives and why that's there for people. So we will maybe circle back to that for sure. So tell us a little bit about your professional experience in this field, the field of aging, death, dying, mortality, whoever wants to start. <laughs> well, maybe I'll start because mine is not, um, is not a profession in the sense of uh, training and so on. But for the last, oh, I would say five to 10 years, uh, just based on a lot of people in my life dying all at once, I did a deep dive into the whole process of dying and uh, studied it and started running workshops on what I called the art of dying, just to bring the conversation into the room. So yeah. groups of people, you know, small groups of people about 12 each time 
and uh, wrote a guidebook about it and just wanted to normalize the conversation about dying because people held it in such dread and so helped to prepare documents and that kind of thing, get people ready so mm -hmm. that they, as Femi said earlier, so that they could live uh, without having that you know, big dread over their shoulders. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of been my experience. Mm -hmm. Can I ask a follow-up because you are talking about the dread and I'm wondering if in your experience doing that work, you've come to kind of siphon out where that dread lives. Like what, why is that there for people, do you think? Yeah, well, we, I, I, think it's, I think it's human nature in a way, you know, that uh, we, we like to live with the illusion that it's forever. It's hard to think that it's not. So we, well, it's the denial of death was Ernest Becker's term for it, you know, and he mm -hmm. said it was very human and we all have it to, to a certain extent, mm -hmm. but that we can at least exacerbate how difficult it is by talking about it, by being open about it and coming to understand it. And of course, there are world religions that have dealt with dying, the Buddhists and so on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for centuries and know a lot more about it than we in the West do. We tend, I think, to have the highest levels of dread mm -hmm. uh, because we're, you know, it's hell and all that kind of <laughs> stuff we're brought up with. So, uh, so yeah, I think that's a bit of it. I love that that's the way that you came at it, that you were experiencing this in your own life or with the people around you. Instead of shrinking away from it and being fearful, you decided to arm yourself with information and then share that information with others. That's really, really cool. Oh, thanks. Yeah, it has helped me. Of course, it, you know, I had a selfish motive. It was, I wanted to talk about it. I actually started by having what I called death and dining dinners, where I would invite <laughs> people to dinner, but I would have like a conversation about dying. And so that's really where it, it got started was, you know, I wanted to talk about it and I had to have people to talk about it with. So that's, that's how it unfolded. I think that's very on, on brand for gaining momentum because I think that's even how Abby and I started our project was there were things that we wanted to talk about and sometimes they're hard things to talk about, but we wanted to kind of build a community and normalize, you know, those topics that sometimes people shy away from or don't feel comfortable talking about. So that's very on brand for us. I like that. Great. <laughs> and dad, where did you come at it? I know you're retired now, as you like to remind me often that you may <laughs> have to hit me up for, for some funds in the future. <laughs> but professionally, what was your experience with aging and mortality? Well, I'm a psychiatrist, mm -hmm. more specifically, I'm a geriatric psychiatrist. So I, in my professional life, I work with older people. So the question of aging was very paramount to my practice. Mm -hmm. Understanding the process of aging and especially the changes that occur with us as we age. And then of course, recognition that we die. My connection with death, especially my own mortality mm -hmm. was something that happened during my training because I had a very bad accident in which I lost a very good friend mm. uh, in that accident. So whether I liked it or not, I mean, I had known people, family members who had died before, but that's something that happened out there. Mm -hmm. You are in the same car with somebody who died, you mm -hmm. know, so you, you kind of say that could have been me. And then, you know, with a series of operations, you say, wow, that could have been me. So there's a direct confrontation. And then of course I got in touch with part of me that recognized that 
death is something that will happen to any of us. And then in training, I got introduced into the concept of existentialism, mm -hmm. which makes us recognize that death is, you know, one of those things we have to deal with. And as Susan was saying earlier, the actually that's interesting because when Susan and I first met, she was reading The Denial of Death, and I had read The Denial of Death by Ernest Becker. So it provided a basis for, for the discussion of death. <laughs> Which I don't Dinner know. and death. Dinner and a little <laughs> exactly. death chat. Yeah. <laughs> Dinner and so, death date. <laughs> exactly. Death dates, it was yeah. a dinner and death date. That <laughs> yeah. So that that was that. And um, the only thing I'll kind of say here is, I mean, when people talk psychiatry, I know they, 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 they talk about uh, Freud and uh, the basic anxieties that Freud talk about. Mm -hmm. The existentialists also mention that a much more basic anxiety is the fear of death, mm -hmm. which all of us have to deal with mm -hmm. and that we deal with it in very, very many ways. All of us deal with it. Some of us build, build our empires to make sure that our name stays on forever mm -hmm. so that we don't die. Mm -hmm. Some people put on trusts to keep their names on forever. That's one way of making sure they don't die, but we all die. Oh, wow. That was like kind of a mind blowing point for me. This idea of building an empire to live on in an infinite way through your, you know, what you've accumulated or what your legacy is, or even through, you know, your family and your children through, through all of those relationships as well. That's a powerful sentiment, I think. This podcast is now part of our empire, Meg. We're leaving I know. behind for our kids. <laughs> Absolutely. So I know it forever. <laughs> I never thought I would be an imperialist, but here we are. <laughs> Those are really heavy, but also, as you're saying, um, in this effort to normalize, trying to be not so heavy about this topic. But I'm curious about in your work that you both just talked about, how do you take care of yourselves? How do you make sure that you're okay in engaging with people's fears and anxieties around a topic that can sometimes be really tricky. For me, the basic way is to accept that uh, once I accepted the fact that I'm not an immortal, <laughs> then, uh, it made life easier. Yeah. So, because I know I'm going to die. Mm -hmm. So then it becomes enjoy your life and the people around you as much as you can until you die. Mm -hmm. So Accepting that makes every day a little bit more interesting mm -hmm. because you know you never live that day again and uh, you don't even know if you're going to live the next one. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm constantly saying, oh, no, I'm going to die tomorrow. No, mm -hmm. but it just means that things become more important mm. and more important to you. Your friends, your family become more important to you. On that note, I just want to say, as things are becoming important, and as you like to say, I'm your favorite daughter, <laughs> can I start claiming some things that I would like to have? <laughs> well, you know, you know what they say that love conquers all. So I give you my love completely. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I guess I'll happily take that too. <laughs> The ultimate gift, Abby. <laughs> Legacy of love.
momentum shout out where we shout out cool parenting moves that we've seen out in the wild. So I saw something this week. Unfortunately, I saw a really bad car accident just a couple of days ago. And we drive these sort of rural country roads to get to our daycare. And they're very, very icy this time of year, especially if there's been a fresh snowfall. So right in front of us, we see this horrific like T-bone where a car comes sliding through the intersection and T-bones another vehicle. Well, before this vehicle that had been hit was even stopped, like to a complete stop, I see the passenger side door fly open and this woman comes running around the side of the car you know, like very like quick and like panicked. And at first I was like, what is she doing? And then before I even had that thought out, I was like, there's a kid in the car in my mind. Mm -hmm. And so I see her whip open the door. Finally, the car is actually stopped at this point and pull out like a six to nine month old baby. And so I just like really want to shout her out for her like incredible, like instinctual response to like Mm -hmm. get that baby out of the car immediately and just check like, were they okay? Cause that's the side that they were hit on. And then I think I'm kind of shouting out like all of us and our parenting instincts. It was like, it wasn't even a thought. It was just like instinct into action mm-hmm. that I thought was so primal and beautiful and scary at the same time. So everybody was okay, but shout out to her for her beautiful response to a really crisis type of moment. though you're almost choking me up there just even connecting in with some of our mental health stuff around anxiety and stress and the the daily you know challenges whether it's in parenthood or just life there is something very powerful about that perspective that kind of puts things into focus a little bit like almost as a coping strategy that you know this is the one life and we don't know what tomorrow brings the like proverbial like sweating the small stuff is maybe (laughs) something that we need to be mindful of and also as like a tool for being okay as we move through our day to day. I'm going to sit with that for a bit. That's powerful. Yeah. I was getting a little bit choked up hearing you talk about that dad. Cause Mm -hmm. you know, we're having this conversation and it's an important conversation to have, but also you're my dad. (laughs) So I don't really like to think about you not Mm -hmm. being here at some point. Mm -hmm. I will always be here in you. (laughs) (laughs) Straight through my heart. (laughs) But Susan, I want to make sure that we give you a chance to talk about what do you do for self-care when you're running these conversations and these workshops and how do you take care of yourself after? I, um, I, I was going to say my dad had a most wonderful expression. Uh, in his mid-90s, he would say, if I wake up breathing, it's a win. And oh, I always mm. thought that was, you know, that, that kind of gratitude is... I think where I've landed that I've seen so many people die that just not being one of those people is a gift. And mm-hmm. so is every single day, you know, if you wake up breathing, it's a win. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so my, um, my, my self-care is really feeling good about being in service to the conversation. And I find it invigorating as opposed to depleting because I get so much out of the conversation, so much learning from other people, uh, so many gifts of their perspectives. And I find that really reinforces my my gratitude for life, just for being here. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna interject a quick moment of levity. I told my child, your grandkid, 
that I would be speaking with you guys today. And of course, he wanted to insert himself in the conversation because as we know, he (laughs) always has things to say. And Mm -hmm. so he gave me a question to ask you guys. I told him, I'm going to be talking to grandpa and granny today about getting older. Is there anything you want to ask them? And so his question was, why do things get harder as you get older? Oh, man, that brilliant child of yours. (laughs) I mean, he's probably just talking about tying his shoes, but I feel like it still works for this conversation. (laughs) Why do things get harder as you get older? Mm He needs his own podcast. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Yeah, I don't know. I good question. It's a very, very good question. Very deep question, actually, Mm -hmm. because uh, I'm thinking and say, saying that things got more difficult, probably because we now know more of the options that are available, and that the more choices you have, the more difficult it is actually to make a choice mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> because then you have to consider and then probably because we know more than the implication of our actions are also more obvious to us and to people around and therefore the consequences of our actions are out there which is one of the reasons we protect minors and uh, say that uh, you know minors are not at that age where they can cognitively make all the decisions i mean that's just my off the top of the head mm. that was pretty good that's pretty yeah. good <laughs> that's pretty spot on <laughs> yeah i i'd add that uh for me that it, you know the physical stuff obviously gets harder you cannot do what you used to do and certainly uh, over 70 you start to notice that quite a bit <laughs> it just gets harder on the other hand we're living healthier, younger, longer than, you know, I was thinking about my grandparents the other day and they were like at 70, mm-hmm. they were old, like really old. Mm-hmm. And I'm 74 in my 75th years, I like to say, and like, I'm healthy, you know, mm-hmm. I'm walking every day. I'm, I have no pain. I'm in good shape. Mm-hmm. And so it, from that point of view, I think it's probably easier that and and i think as Penny says there's um i don't know i don't think we want to get into it too deeply but there's a spiritual aspect to it that you begin to realize that there's a whole inner world that is opening up as you turn that corner in midlife that mm. that is a uh it's a it's a salve for your for any of the of the downsides of getting older i think so i'm not sure what would make of that answer but (laughs) that's what happens (laughs) I like the way that that sort of that you both you link together there sort of this idea of like brain development though and our capacity and as we are when we're small and we have like a underdeveloped frontal lobe we're not you know cause and effect reasoning and you know all of those consequential parts of our thinking are less in the forefront which makes life easier, right? When we're small, but then as we move into adulthood and then Susan, just like, you know, you're talking about this other part of our mind and our spiritual learning that maybe cracks open when we get to a certain place in our development and our life, which I think is actually really a peaceful thing to bring in when we're fearful of death or we're fearful of aging 
we can think about that there's something coming as we age that is really special and exciting, if we haven't had that happen for us in our younger adulthood or throughout our life yet. So I actually find that to be a very like peaceful and like calming idea. I feel like you guys are offering so many nuggets that are like helpful to me personally in this conversation. So I'm hoping our listeners will also have some of those takeaways as well. And I think while we're talking about it, we've been talking a lot about kind of, well, dancing around a bit, the taboos that people hold around talking about aging, around talking about mortality. And I just was wondering if there are any themes or habits that you've noticed that people seem to hold on to or exhibit when they're approaching discussing these topics or going through these topics and you're observing them. Yeah, they used to say that, uh, well, I mean, you know, when I was younger, they talk about aging as the golden ages. Mm-hmm. Ah, it's not golden. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still looking for the pot of gold. <laughs> but uh, more seriously, though, uh, as Susan says, a lot of things are easier as we get older. Not just for us as individuals, but for us as a cohort. Mm. You know, we, we, our cohort happens to be one of the lucky groups that have benefited from those before us. They've cre- they created a world that made it easier for us to recognize the value of education and moving up. Mm-hmm. Uh, fortunately for me, one of the things that I look back and feel sad about is that that life is not as easy for our children. In what ways? Well, for instance, when I was growing up, Mm -hmm. the path was straightforward. You go to school, you go to university. If you can do it, you get out, you get a decent job, you get your choices of jobs, you you make a good living. Mm -hmm. Now, you can go to university, you can be very hardworking, and the gap between those who actually have vis-a-vis the efforts they put in, and then those who don't have vis-a-vis the effort they put in, the gap is too much. So that for me, as I get older, is it makes me sad mm. seeing that. And I hope that things will get will somehow get better for our grandchildren. Mm. Because we need to live a life where they can advance and enjoy. Mm-hmm. The kind of things we enjoyed. So I don't know if I'm. I don't yeah, know if I've, if I've kind of rambled around a bit. No. <laughs> That's also very on brand because you know our whole tagline is we're trying to parent for the world we live in now and the world that we want uh, our kids to grow up in and to live in. I actually got those backwards, but you get the sentiment <laughs> um, uh, for tomorrow. And so it really does link really nicely, actually, into some of the reasons why we're even here to have these discussions. So you're really hitting on some of that where it's, we do see that gap widening. So how do we ensure that we close it for moving forward uh, for our own kids? Well, yeah, like they say in like the London underground tube system, mind the gap. Yeah, totally. <laughs> mind the gap. Mind that, the gap. that might be our new tagline. Mind the gap, <laughs> how do we close it? <laughs> the equity gap. <laughs> and what have you seen, Susan? 
Yeah, I think that's, I think similarly, um, you know, I feel that we are in such a privileged position, not only with regard to the generations coming after us, but we know, you know, all the hardship and horror in the world and what a privileged place in it we stand in. Mm -hmm. And so I'm also aware of that, that we've got it easy. We've got it made, you know, we, we have had our work life, we've been successful, we've managed to amass enough to keep us going so that we're, we're comfortable and life is good. I mean, it, it really is good. And, and yet there is the pain of the larger good and seeing that it is not equitable and not everyone has access to the privileges we do. And you guys have talked about that quite a bit, I know. Uh, but just to, yeah, put that on the table. Mm. Yeah, I don't want it to sound all pessimistic <laughs> <laughs> because we also see a lot of good things that are happening, mm -hmm. especially recently, the awareness of inequalities, people banding together to fight what they consider unequal, to fight against, uh, say, racism, for instance, mm -hmm. I just sent my daughter and my kids a, uh, some info that Black Lives Matter as a group has been nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize in recognition, I, I hope they get it, but yeah. in recognition of their, because the movement has spread all over the world. It's not just Black Lives, but and a term that I first heard from my daughter, BIPOC. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. And that, uh, you know, that whole group, everything. So it means that awareness is there now. Mm -hmm. And the young folks nowadays know a whole lot more than we did. <laughs> so that, and that gives me a lot of hope. This concludes part one of our conversation on aging and mortality. We'll be doing a mini-sode next week, and then you can join us the week after for part two, our conclusion on talking to my dad, Femi, and his partner, Susan, on aging and mortality. Stay tuned for the pause for momentum. And now, let's pause for momentum. Right here, right now. How do I explain why I'm so upset? Why when you don't listen, it sets me on edge? How do I explain that time is both limitless and finite? Time will continue on, but I won't. So I need to cram as much as I can into each moment, teach you everything I know, everything I knew, and everything in between. I don't know how long I have or how old I'll be. I do know that I have right here, right now. I want you to be okay when I'm gone. I want you to have everything that I had to give you. So when you don't listen, it feels like I'm failing you leaving you unprepared, and leaving you ill-equipped. I want to stay here with you forever, but that's not how life works. I don't know why life is or why my days will end. I do know that I have right here, right now. Every day you get a little bit older. So do I, so does everyone, except the people who don't. Aging doesn't bother me. It never really has. But since you came out of my body and into the world, what bothers me is mortality. Now I bargain for more time to watch you grow, to see who you'll become, to continue loving you as you are. I don't know who will be or who will be there. I do know that I have right here, right now. It's the randomness of it that scares me. On any given day, at any given time, any given thing could happen. It's too much to process. So I strive to remain focused on the joys of watching you age, seeing you grow each day, 
mentally, physically, emotionally. And I keep growing right along with you. I don't know what will happen or what I'll be. I do know that I have right here, right now. We acknowledge that Gaining Momentum is recorded, produced, and edited on the unceded territory of the Selic Okanagan people and the Coast Salish peoples, including the territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. Gaining Momentum. Gaining Please check our show notes with each episode for more information on Catherine and Evan, plus how you can stay in touch with us through email, Instagram, and Facebook. We look forward to hearing from you.